Quality Files. How was everyone's Thursday? It was a really great Thursday. It was an amazing Thursday. For a con, Thursday. I was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. Well, we are Oddity Files. The, the podcast. podcast. Ani, you let me down. Let's do it again. <laughs> this is Oddity Files. The, the podcast. podcast. There she got it. <laughs> Victor's here. Hi, sweetie. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> no, but basically we are a creepy cryptid otherworldly type podcast and we tell ghost stories we talk about all the different types of big feet we tell ufo stories but we do it in a cheerful sarcastic comedic way so sometimes that, sometimes so that you can you know listen to it as you go to sleep and still get a full night's rest yeah and you know you turn the lights off maybe it depends on how creepy your story is right so as of recent, you guys might know what Paranormal in the News has been coming up a lot, a lot, a lot, because we can't get over it, and that is the Area 51 occurrence. Ball. Who's going? Don't go. Who would go? You're going to get if shot. If you lived close enough to go, who would actually show up? Really? See, exactly. I'm telling you, there are going to be a lot of people. No one would, is actually going to storm it, but there's going to be like a sea of people standing outside. You know there's going to be 25 people storming it. It's going to be. Yes. I mean, I'd go for the tailgate party. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I'm going to sell water. Did you see Bud Light has their Area 51 collector's cans out? Yeah. I need to get, I don't drink beer. kind of tastes like pee to me, but I got to have those cans. Right. So if you guys haven't seen the Bud Light Area 51 cans, it was like, if there are 51,000 retweets, we will actually produce these cans. And they're awesome. They're like bright green with these little alien heads that it says Bud Light. <laughs> yeah. I, I need, I'll at least get a t-shirt. Right. We're not sponsored by Bud Light. No, we're not sponsored by anybody. Anybody want to sponsor us? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's just, it, it's just the like story that never ends. Like just when you think like, oh, it's kind of dying down a little bit. Something else happens that just brings it right back up there to the top of the headlines. It does. Like it does. the Air Force coming out, like putting out a public statement like, yeah, don't do this. Oh, I'm, I'm literally in it for the memes and the memes alone. <laughs> I know, it is so great. So good. My favorite is um, you've got the guys from Men in Black. They've got their little flashy things out and um, they're celebrating the one-year anniversary of the storming of Area 51, but nobody remembers it because I got... The meme's way better than me telling this story, people. I apologize. I'll we'll post it on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that, we're on Instagram. We're on Twitter at Oddity Files. We have a Facebook page. We also have a website. It's OddityFiles.com. I think our producer, DJ Jimmy, handed out our little 4x6 cards. So absolutely check us out. We're free on Prime. Um... I think that's all of it, right? Basically. Okay. Yeah. We're oddity files everywhere. I've been up since 3 a.m. <laughs> I'm just putting no, that actually, out there. No, actually, one really cool thing we do, as most of you know, I don't know how many of you listen to podcasts, but it's very much that. You listen. And a lot of times with what we, the stories that we tell, especially with the cryptids, you're like, wow, I wonder what that thing looks like. And as much as her and I 
try to describe it, we're not very good at it, and usually we're a few bourbons deep, and so we're really not good at Does it. Does anybody have any bourbon, by the way? <laughs> okay. And especially with like the foreign last names, we're like, well. Yeah. So what our producer does, he actually goes on Instagram and makes these like visual stories in the archives that you can follow along with, with timestamps and all that, so if you're we're like, ah, wow, I really wonder what a Snallygaster looks like. Yeah. And go on there and look. And it's got, it's not like that's the real thing. We did it story literally is. <laughs> yeah. And our producer is DJ Jimmy. Let's give a round of applause for DJ Jimmy. Really couldn't do it without him. We tried to do one episode without him because he was busy and it's probably the worst sounding episode we have. Doing important DJ Jimmy stuff. We're like, yeah, the levels were great. Everything went awesome. Like, here's the file. Here he is three days later pulling out everything. He shouldn't be there. <laughs> so if you hear a DJ Jimmy cut this out, it means it's a exclusive to you guys. <laughs> right. But that is one thing. Actually, this coming Friday, this episode will air as our regularly scheduled programming. Yeah. That sounds good. For sure. We did just end an episode last night. We also have episodes. One of my favorite things about our podcast is we we have listeners submit their personal paranormal stories, whether it's aliens or big feats or a haunting. And we just released an episode, which is where we read um, all those submitted stories. So if you have a story, we're going to take one at the end. So you guys kind of think about that if you have a crazy story. It could be haunting. It could be, you know, you met Bigfoot and he really does want a hug. You got abducted. You got abducted. I'm still waiting for the abduction story. Me too. We kind of have one. That yeah. one that they like. So one of our friends actually submitted mm-hmm. it to us. He like went to bed one night and then, and this was when he was in high school and he was listening to this, this record and then he woke up outside of his house like sitting Indian style but it was hours later and all the the locks like deadbolts were locked he didn't have any keys so like he didn't know how he got outside I don't know so he thinks it was aliens but so do I I, they terrify me I'm not gonna lie don't go to Area 51 we really don't want to know people I'm just saying but if you find a cute one just email me I want it (laughs) so basically what we do guys we just go back and forth Kitsy and I both bring a story to each episode. Neither of us know what we're going to tell. Our producer, DJ Jimmy, we tell him so that we don't do the same story because that wouldn't be good. And then we just tell each other stories once a week. And they're sometimes creepy. Sometimes scripted. Sometimes otherworldly. I've never heard the word otherworldly. I mean, I probably had before we started doing this, but it wasn't relevant. But now it's like my favorite word. Well, and it's everywhere. Everybody says it. Everyone says it now. Look at the good I'm not going to say we started a revolution. <laughs> but... The intro that DJ Jimmy made started a revolution. It <laughs> totally did. So, DJ Jimmy, who goes first? I go first. Yay! I'm going to sit back and chillax, people. So, typically when we do live podcasts, we try to either do something somewhat local or somewhat relevant to the places that we are at, just because it fits. Um, like when we did Horror House. I think like we should dim the lights a little. I don't know how to do that, but just imagine the lights a little dimmer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, people listening can. Oh, there you go. Um, But we were at a horror convention in Ohio, and so I did, like, all these famously haunted, like, film sets. Um, So just stuff like that. We try to do stuff relevant. So I'm doing, and I'm sure you've heard of it, because she's heard of everything. I watch a lot of TV. Ooh. If you're listening, the lights just right now. The lights just dimmed. Thanks, Victor. It pays to know the panel guy. (laughs) (laughs) So, have you ever heard of the Mordecai House? 
Oh yes, I had to work there after hours. Once the public went home, I saw objects move, I heard footsteps upstairs, but I was all alone. See, why doesn't this happen when we're investigating? He said he never was frightened, though, because he said you just get used to it. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, are you at that point, are you like, oh, can you hand me that salt over there? And it just kind of floats across the room right towards you. So the city of Raleigh actually purchased the property in 1967, and the Mordecai House is listed as a registered historical landmark. The furnishings in the house belong to its owners and have been passed down through the generations. Legend has it, and this one's fun, that the portraits of the family members who are in the home just sometimes fly off the walls when tour guides are going. We're going. Oh, so now we're going. <laughs> so the, the mansion was actually featured on an episode of Ghost Hunters. Oh, so I've probably seen it because I've seen them yeah. all. The Mordecai House is located at 1 Mimosa Street. Fun. Oh, that's my street, people. In Raleigh's Mordecai Square Historic Park. I'm sure some of you know where that is. I don't. Um, the park is off Wake Forest Road, one half mile north of the state capitol. Okay. Told you I'd get there. Yeah. Um, no, but the pictures of this place are absolutely beautiful in their own, like, you know, creepy, and I'm not even trying to, like, be funny, like, creepy old house sort of way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, all those old houses are just, like, you look at me and you go, it's haunted. Like. Oh, it's, it's straight up plantation stuff right, right. there. Right. Very Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Well, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, that's pretty damn close. <laughs> it's like really long with a bunch of windows, like the front door in the center. So has anybody been to this place? Did oh. you, anything creepy going on there? Nothing. No? Did you feel negative? I mean, yeah, oh. but that's just because I'm very empathetic and everyone there was negative. Oh, wow. well, you know, girl, I feel ya. One thing I say, because we actually investigate a lot all over the world, and when we go into investigations, a lot of times we don't want people to tell us what has happened there, their experiences they've had, because then even subconsciously when you walk in, you're like, oh my gosh, someone was hung in this room, yeah. or someone like, something very happened. Like, All of a sudden I have again, a pain I'm in my neck. I'm sorry if you have kids, but... Yeah. So we were in a jail in Australia, and legit in one of these cells, uh, the cellmate chopped his cellmate up and put him down the toilet. So, like, obviously, when we went into that cell to investigate, we were like, It was Ooh. terrifying. I went by myself, people. Yeah. That <laughs> <It> was awful. <laughs> I literally heard her from, like, yards and yards yeah. away. I was in a separate building, and I just hear, like, <laughs> Yeah. Because when I get nervous, I start yelling at them like they're my children. <laughs> it but makes yeah. me feel better. So that's, like, I wonder if if that has a lot to do with it. That just oh, yeah. because they say, like, Oh, after the war, there's all this negative energy. Yeah. Like, is there really, or just people thinking that when they walk in? Right. Well, recently we did an investigation at, like, one of the most notoriously haunted by demons place ever. And we went to the area-ish that was allegedly, I don't believe in demons, I'm just putting that out there, um, haunted by demons. And But I went in blindfolded, so I wouldn't know exactly where we were in this location and I think it helped. I really do. And I, again, don't think, I, demons have better things to do, people, than hang out in the basement of some place in Kentucky. I'm just saying. <laughs> but it was, it was interesting because I, the place we investigated, and it's actually going to be on season three of the Prime series, I told her, we, I'll never investigate there. Like, we don't need to. It's, like, notorious just for demonic, terrible stuff. Like, there are so many other places we don't need to go there. 
Yeah. Here we are, 10 years later, we're investigating, like, why don't we just go there? Like, it's fine. Yeah. What's worse that's going to happen? That's fine. <laughs> We've been doing this for how long? We've not run into a demon. No. So. Yeah, speaking of that, we do have two, like I said, we are on Amazon Prime. We have two seasons on there, and we're hoping for a fall release for our season three, just in time for spooky season. So make sure you add us to our watch list, and I should probably tell a story. Huh? Okay. So I'm going the cryptid route. I have a crush on Bigfoot, but I didn't go with a Bigfoot story. I'm going to go with the Vampire Beast of Bladenboro, North Carolina. Has anybody heard of the Vampire Beast? Has anyone seen the Vampire Beast? Oh, so this is new to some people. So, yeah. Me? I've never heard of it. We'll see what you think. You'll have to let me know. Okay. So, while a good haunting is always a great story, those who know me know I have a slight obsession with a monster. Monsters and cryptids are always a great story to read or listen to. And while Bigfoot is my favorite, my homie, the hairy, stinky creature that I believe just wants to be loved, but is a little anxious of the human race, and I mean, you really can't blame the guy. I'd hide too, if I could. Um, so the story of the vampire beast of Bladenboro is a story that had a town in western North Carolina stricken with fear and out for blood in the 1950s. And this story goes a little something like this. When did that turn into a thing? You've said it every episode. I well, it's because I'm lacking creativity. Okay, so the Beast of Bladenboro refers now to... Now I just join along because I just know how you're going to finish this sentence. Exactly. <laughs> the Beast of Bladenboro refers to the creature responsible for a string of deaths amongst Bladenboro, North Carolina in the winter of 1953-54. The uncertain nature of its identity lends itself to all the speculation... According to reports, the entity was known to most commonly crush or decapitate its victims. Scary. I thought it was a vampire. <laughs> you wait. Okay. <laughs> on, December, on December 31st, two dogs belonging to... I am like... Is there a way to stop that? Stop talking? No, just... Okay. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Can you hear me, though? Bring it below, like, to your chin. Is that better? Yeah. I think I gotta do this. I'll just be left. Okay, on December 31st, two dogs belonging to a Bladenboro man named Johnny Vouse were found dead. There was reportedly a significant amount of blood at the scene near their kennels. Oh. Okay. Why yeah. does that have to be a dog? I know, the puppies. I mean, people are fine, but dogs... Literally. Not the puppies. So, um... There are several quotes within this story, and I, I feel the need to add a southern twang when I'm talking for I these guys. I for this. Since it's really the only accent I can do, other than a Wisconsin slash Minnesota accent hater, don't you know? Um, but I don't mean to offend, so if this is going to offend you guys, is it cool? Okay. And you guys, none of y'all have the accent, so we're good to go. Okay. So, the two dogs were torn into ribbons and crushed, according to Vows. My dogs put up a good fight. <laughs> there was blood all over the porch, big puddles of it, and there was a pool of saliva on the porch. It killed one dog at 10.30 and left it lying there. My dad wrapped the dog up in a blanket. That thing came back, and that dog, and nobody's seen that dog since. 
at 1.30 in the morning. I came back and I killed the other dog and I took it off. We found it three days later. I said that wrong. <laughs> that thing came back and got that dog and nobody's seen the dog since. At 1.30 in the morning, I came back, I killed the other dog and took it off. I don't know what, anyway. We found it three days later in a hedge grow. What's a hedge grow? I think so. It was the 50s. I mean, it was probably a whole different time. Totally was. Um, the top of one of the dog's head was torn off and its body was crushed and wet like it had that thing and it had been in that thing's mouth. The other dog's lower jaw was torn off. That was a terrible accent. No, the whole time I just imagined Ricky Bobby. <laughs> well, that was Johnny Bass. Okay, so the beast was said to attack its victims, which were mostly dogs, and would completely drain these animals of its blood, hence the vampire. And on more than one occasion, the animal's noses were missing. Like, it just, like, ate its nose. Oh, she's, she's done. I made her vomit in her mouth a little bit. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> She said, that was my dog. <laughs> <laughs> okay, resident Malcolm Frank reported, maybe I should stop the Southern accent. Oh, you're fine, just keep okay. <laughs> Resident Malcolm Frank reported seeing the animal crossing the street during the beast's two-week reign of terror. He described it as about four and a half feet long, bushy, and resembling either a bear or a panther. <laughs> I mean, there's quite a range of animals, beasts, or monsters that could fall between both of those animals. I mean, come on, Mr. Frank. In the words of the great Zach Baggins, we want answers. According to the January 4th edition of the Wilmington Morning Star, a son of a Bladenborough man named Carl Pate reported seeing the monster as well the night of January 3rd. According to him, it was small, little one, just like it was running beside it. A third sighting on January 3rd was reported by James Pittman. At about 11 o'clock, I heard a strange noise outside my window, like a baby crying. He went outside to follow the noise for close to a mile. See that? I don't have to do air quotes. You guys know when I'm quoting people. I saw bushes moving, but I never did actually see whatever it was. However, I think it must have been close to 150 pounds the way it went through the bushes. These descriptions are all over the place. This is me just being ignorant. Are there bear here? Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's a possibility. Like, but there's a big difference between a bear and a panther, right? Right, but it's a skinny bear. Okay. Yeah, exactly. It's hungry. <laughs> Around 8 o'clock in the evening of January 4th, Lloyd Clement claims to have seen the beast. I always burp in the mic on a podcast, just so you know. <laughs> so sorry. My stomach ache. The following account reported in the Wilmington Morning Star contains a physical description, and I quote Mr. Clemens. This is literally a quote. I got two dogs, the little black one and a brown one that's bigger. Me and my wife were sitting there in the living room. We heard the dogs get awful restless. My front light was on, and Larry Moore had his back light on. So I'm assuming Larry is his neighbor and Lloyd had just no idea people would be quoting him on a podcast some 70-ish years later, um, gathering his quotes from Wikipedia. 
He said, I glanced out the window and I saw this thing. It came, it had me plumb spellbound. I can't even do the accent anymore, I'm so sorry. It was about 20 inches high. It had a long tail, about 14 inches. The color of it was dark. It had a face exactly like a cat. Only I never seen a cat that big. It was walking around stealthy, sneaky, moving about, trying to get to the dogs. I jumped over for my shotgun and loaded it and went out to shoot it. But it moved into the darkness right away and I couldn't find him again. Okay, I'm not gonna lie. The whole reason I got your permission to do the Southern accent was for that and I s screwed it up. Anyway. A young boy named Dalton Norton reported seeing what he called a big cat on January 6th. This is just like a two-week period in the mid-50s. Um, he, he said, we heard a noise on the porch. Whatever it was, it made a noise like a baby crying. It jumped off the porch, and I watched it through the window. I went over to one house, then went off towards another, and I didn't see it anymore. So while none of the descriptions are the exact same of the beast, what incarnations could it be? It's anywhere from a panther to a bear. The tracks are like a dog's, the biggest dog you've ever seen, and the noise it makes is a crying baby. I mean, I've never heard of a cryptid like this before, and I watch a lot of Travel Channel. There were reports of signs of there being an entire family of the vampire beast. Now this guy, A.R. Stanton, he's from Lumberton, North Carolina. Um, he thought that... Oh, wait, someone here is from Lumberton, North Carolina. I heard that. <laughs> oh, do you know A.R. Oh. You know Stanton? Oh, he's probably about dead by now. So he says that the beast of Bladen Barrow was a German Shepherd hound mix named Big Boy. And he gave Big Boy to a Native American boy who lived along the edge of the Big Swamp. Is there still a Big Swamp there? Okay. Look, fact checkers, I like it. Um, Big Boy was dark and had a long bushy tail. Stanton was quoted as saying, I raised him from a pup. Oh, it's back. <laughs> but if I met him in the woods, I wouldn't call him, I'd kill him. This guy's classy. He claimed Big Boy was capable of leaping over a six foot fence and killed chickens from time to time. So, I mean, that's the closest. True, yeah, not dogs, but. Why would a dog kill a dog? But that's what I'm saying. Yeah, okay. So there, <laughs> okay. So a Lumberton veterinarian said, in regards to Big Boy, that it was very feasible. He was responsible, that he could have been responsible for the attacks and also said that it was possible that Big Boy or another dog could have killed the other dogs and lapped up the blood rather than sucking it like a vampire. Ah, there's a lot of thought that went into this. The deaths kept piling up. While the beast prey was mostly dogs, it had also been blamed for the death of a goat, a sweet little bunny wabbit, five medium-sized pigs, and three chickens. Oh, the chickens. The chickens, yeah. That makes the most sense to me. Townspeople were to the point where they didn't even want to let their small children out of the house because they were worried that they would be next on the growing list of victims. Then, as people do, the hunt began. I mean, this killed a sweet little bunny rabbit and five, not four or two medium-sized piggies, and I can't even with the puppies, which we've discussed. The night of January 3rd, police chief Roy Forez searched for the creature with his dogs, 
but they reportedly would not follow the trail. Like, duh, the thing killed dogs. <laughs> right. I'm good. So half a dozen brave youths, that's in quotes, I'm done with the accent. This must have been larger sized children because you know, they were scared the little kids were gonna get eaten. They went out and searched for it to no avail. That night police chief Roy and eight to 10 other officers conducted their own hunt. Hunters traveled to Bladenborough from Wilmington, also searched for the beats that evening, reporting tracking it for three miles around the swamp. And I guess they were just like, nah, we're good. In an interview, Julian Tater Shaw, I guess I said Tater, um, everybody was scared. Everybody near about that had a gun that was carrying it. See, I can't not do the accent with some of these quotes. This was on Wikipedia, people. Anyhow, it was getting bad. It was getting in the newspapers and the radio. There came hunters from all over. I mean, big hunters, too. Because, you know, if they had the little hunters, they might get eaten. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, it, it was funny when I wrote it, people. I'm just saying... Okay, so one interview I saw on a random YouTube documentary, documentary, words are hard, very fittingly called The Vampire Beast of Bladenborough, said there was even a guy who didn't see so well. This is quote-ish. I may or may not be paraphrasing because I couldn't go back and watch this snooze fest again. Um, he says... I saw the guy who couldn't see while walking around with his shotgun, and the guy in the interview said that was the scariest thing with the, with the guy who couldn't see while walking around. Makes sense. Anyway, a local farmer produced a, bed, a dead bobcat about two weeks into the, the crisis. He found the bobcat struggling with a steel trap in Big Swamp, four miles from the city, at 6 a.m. He proceeded to shoot it in the head at about 8.30 a.m. Woodrow Fusel, the mayor of Bladenborough, told newspapers that the beast of Bladenborough had been found and killed. Bobcat. Uh, what the hell did he do with this poor animal for two and a half hours before he shot it? I, I don't understand some people. Some say... To this day, however, it was unlikely that such a small cat could have killed and mangled the dogs. So has the mystery of the vampire beast of Bladenborough been solved? Some say it's still out there. A Waxhaw, North Carolina resident, is that right? Waxhaw? Waxhaw. Waxhaw. That's better. Thank you. Um, she says, we heard thuds going through the forest. We thought, oh, it's a deer. I turned around and saw the deer, but wasn't expecting this humongous black cat chasing after it. It was so big that you really couldn't mistake it for being a black cat. I need sleep, Clayton. <laughs> Words are so freaking hard right now. Its tail was thick. Its tail was as long as the cat, if not longer, and I don't know any house cats that would go chasing a doe through the forest. So maybe it's still out there. Maybe it was just big boy that scared it off into a, and they scared it off into another area. So regardless, if you believe the story or if you think it's a load of baloney, oh, we're cursing. If you think it's bullshit, uh, the town of Bladenboro has embraced the local legend and now celebrates it with an event every year. 
and the last weekend of October, you can enjoy Beast Fest. Like Halloween? Yeah. Okay. You want to go to Beast Fest? <laughs> no. <laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> the festival will be celebrating its 13th year coming October. Between 6,000 and 8,000 people usually attend the two-day festival. As locals and those from the surrounding counties and the bordering states flock to the small town. And if this sounds like y'all's kind of shindig, head on over to boosttheborough.com and start planning your trip today. Again, they are not a sponsor. <laughs> and, um, but you know, if they need a paranormal podcast this year, I promise I to, to get some sleep and <laughs> actually be able to read for that one. No, it's fine. I had, like I said, I'd never even heard of it. Um, but it's, it's also, like, continuously mysterious. It, I think it's a load of crap. You think it was all made up? Well, I think, you know, one guy saw something, right. and he told Joe Bob next door, and then there Joe Bob... There are a lot of those. Yeah. Most of the cryptids that we've found, like, when you actually get into researching them, it's just, like, one person saw something that could have been a bobcat or a bear or something... And then another person saw another black animal, and they're like, oh my gosh, I saw it. But this time, it was this, this, this. But it's a completely different animal. Except for my sweet Bigfoot. Except for Bigfoot. And Mouthman. <laughs> but that's what we do. We, we tell stories. stories. Usually much better than that, guys. Thank you for... I mean, we had 10 people walk out, maybe? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Are you okay? Yeah, I need sleep. <laughs> so, this is the part of the show... Where it's up to y'all. Who has a who has a paranormal story? Don't be shy. Okay. Right here. Yeah. Come That's fine. Here. Get up here. Yeah. yeah. Okay, one second. I had to hobble over. I'm in five foot tall shoes. Oh dang girl. Oh. There you go. I wanted to be average height for once in my life. <laughs> um, Take the mic away from me, somebody. I don't know how to do this. Hi. Um, you gotta kind of swallow it. Okay, up here? Yeah. All right. Help me. <laughs> um, it's really short, but I had a paranormal... Well, I've always had paranormal experiences. Uh, that's just me. Um, but when I was in high school specifically, I used to be a rebel, and I used to skip class. And oh, same. <laughs> but I was a theater kid, too. Same! So, my high school theater tech teacher would always let me skip class in the theater. And as most high school theaters go, everyone has the theater ghost. Every theater has a theater ghost. And one day, I was just kind of like chilling on stage. I think I was sweeping because he would have me do chores. Um, and so I was like on the stage and all that, and I looked up and I saw someone in like the up top where like all the lights and tech stuff happens, but I wasn't a techie, so I didn't know. And so I asked him, and I said, Mr. Domac, our, like, that was our high school tech teacher's name. Um, I assumed, but I didn't. <laughs> just, just as a little tad bit in there. But um, I asked him, is there someone, like, working on tech stuff right now? Like, should I be off the stage? Like, are they working on lights? Am I, like, being a distraction right now? And he was like, no, no one else is in here but you. But I full-on saw, like, a high school student walking across so I don't know whether it was paranormal, whether it was a ghost, or whether it was someone else who was also skipping. <laughs> it could very well be either one. I love that. That's awesome. Thank you. It is. It's so crazy because 
what, just last week, two weeks ago? Yeah. Um, Kitsy actually did a story just on essentially theaters, like theater ghosts. And it is so true that like, every theater has some sort of ghost. You know what I did? We were talking about superstitions. I had somebody explain to me where the break a leg superstition came from. I guess back in Shakespeare day, they wouldn't clap, they'd stomp their feet. And you'd say break a leg because they they wanted the audience members to break their legs. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> they wanted to stomp so hard to break yeah, their legs. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well guys, again, next time I swear I'll get more sleep. Words are very hard for me. That's who I am. I'm not a perfect person. So listen to the podcast on all the all the stuff and all the apps and all the things, and I promise to do better next time. But you guys are amazing for being here. Yes, thank and you so much for sticking around. We really, truly appreciate it. And we actually filled all of our time this time. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank